Coming up, what on earth happened? Why? And what now? I, I don't care who you are or where you come from. You gotta love a comeback story, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, we did it! I had no idea so many Kansans could stay up this late. You can, of course, count on me to continue to work my tail off. <laughs> Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Without question. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes. Did this week's election leave you breaking open the champagne or sobbing in your shoes? Or are you just happy the whole thing is over? This week we try to understand what happened and what it means now for you, your family and your pocketbook. Pouring through the results are KMBC9 chief political analyst Michael Mahoney from our own digital newsroom, Mary Sanchez, keeping track of the news from behind a microphone at KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Mundo. And still at the Kansas City Star for at least a few more weeks, Dave Helling. Now, what message were you sending when you went to the ballot box this week? Looking at the results, is it possible to say it was a muddled and confusing one? Let's start in Kansas, where Democrat Laura Kelly won the race for governor, but voters picked conservative Republican Chris Kobach to be their next attorney general. When you look at the success we've achieved these first four years, and we've got four more to come, It's about a desire to save our state and save our country. And I'm so honored that so many Kansans have put their trust in me. So thank you once again, and may God bless the great state of Kansas. Already, how would you explain these two big political opposites, both coming up winners in Kansas, Michael? A uh, couple of things. Number one, uh, uh, Laura Kelly ran a really good campaign, a very good campaign. And if you think about it, she she ran a campaign on the economy as a Democrat, and she won. This message about being in the middle never varied from it, and she was still the, withstood the attacks. Laura Kelly, though, came in with less than 50% support. Would um, uh, Derek Schmidt have won if there was not a man by the name of Dennis Pyle, a independent candidate in this race, and a chiropractor from central Kansas called Seth Cordell. Yeah, I mean, Nick, you had the numbers up on the screen there, and there was also a Libertarian candidate who got 10,000, and it's probably more likely that Libertarian would go to the Republican than the Democrat. You add those together, and Derek Schmidt's the next governor. So I would absolutely believe that Gomer Pyle, as my callers have been calling him this week, uh, played a role in this decision and, you know what, um, ultimately ended up handing this thing to Laura Kelly in some way. But it, that doesn't absolve the Schmidt campaign, which lost Johnson County by 20 points and basically gave up on the county, and then they're chasing their tail around the rest of the state. What uh, will be the reception, by the way, of Dennis Pyle as he goes back to the legislature in Topeka in January among Republicans there? He might have an office in a phone booth. <laughs> uh, you know, the Derek Schmidt campaign uh, discounted the Pyle effort on this and thought in the end people wouldn't waste their votes. And uh, Pyle came in with 5% in the polls. He got 2%. He got about 20,000 votes. And it was the Pyle candidacy and uh, the libertarian Quidel that cost Derek Schmidt. It, it, it's it's one of the big stories in this. What happens to Derek Schmidt now, Dave? Is that the end of him politically? Well, well, Chris Kobach suggests no. Lose a race in Kansas, you can always run again. 
Uh, but I do think Republicans are second-guessing a lot of his strategic decisions. Uh, we just talked with Bob Beatty, the political science professor at Washburn. We all know him, respect him. He said one of the, the very interesting thing about this race, he said, look, Democrats have a chance statewide in Kansas, but they have to make themselves known. They have to identify themselves to voters. In this case, we all knew Laura Kelly. She'd been governor for four years. She ran a great campaign, as Mike points out. By contrast, Chris Mann remained unknown to a vast majority of Kansans, even up to Election Day, apparently some exit polls suggesting that half of voters had never heard of the guy. Yeah, yeah. So if he isn't making a, uh, an effort, a real effort, I don't blame him really, but the party, if he doesn't make a real effort, or in the Secretary of State's race or the Treasurer's race, then the default position is Republicans, and that may explain some Mary, what is the most immediate change we will notice now that Chris Kobach is going to be the state's top law enforcement officer? Well, I think Washington, D.C. may notice first. Um, he's been vowing that he's going to just sue, put Kansas forward as one of the states that's going to consistently sue the Biden administration over anything that he possibly can. I also think within abortion law, you know, I mean, the attorney general is to uphold the laws of the state. That also means, though, that he can really drill down in how abortion is managed in the state of Kansas. And so there's a lot of trepidation, you know, just what is he going to do next? I think, Nick, one of the things we'll watch for is Chris Kobach not suing the Biden administration, but suing the Kelly administration. Mm -hmm. And yes. that, that contrast will be very evident. Unlikely there will be a bigger clashes then between Correct. the attorney general and the governor. We also know, for instance, will, will the governor's wings be clipped in this uh, second term, Pete, because that constitutional amendment that would have neutered her in many ways, preventing her from, uh, at least the lawmakers would be allowed to revoke any executive orders or regulations she comes up with in their office. That's still too close to call right now, that constitutional amendment, as we record this program. But if it does pass, uh, is she going to be able to get much done in that second four-year term? Well, it'll be interesting because uh, Republicans it kind of got overlooked over the uh, bigger races we're talking about, but they actually lost uh, a few seats, especially in Johnson County in particular. Democrats flipped some of those House seats. So that suit majority, as I understand it, will be there, but it will not be as firm as it has been. And uh, that's going to make for an interesting legislative session going forward with a lame duck governor. Now, there were two big Senate races on the ballot, though neither were viewed as being particularly competitive. In Kansas, Republican Jerry Moran wins in a landslide victory against former Wyandotte County Mayor Mark Holland. And in Missouri, Republican Eric Schmidt scores a double-digit victory against Bush Brewery heiress Trudy Bush Valentine. Only in America, only in America, could the son of a night shift worker at Anheuser-Busch go on to run for the United States Senate against an heiress from one of the most iconic and wealthy families in Missouri and win. Now, Schmidt also says he'll now take a blowtorch to the Biden agenda. If Democrats hold on to the U.S. Senate, how much blowtorching can he do, Dave? Well, he can do what Josh Hawley does, which is put out lots of press releases and statements and tweets and file bills and hold hearings. Uh, it'll be a fascinating dynamic between the two of them because they're both very ambitious people. And remember, Josh Hawley endorsed Vicki Hartzler, so there may be some raw edges around all of this as well. What lessons, though, will Democrats learn from this? You know, Trudy Bush, Valentine, had plenty of money, plowed more than $7 million of our own cash into this, according to some published reports. Will this have a chilling effect now on this next race, which will be in 2024 when Josh Hawley is running for re-election? Will they be able to even find a high-profile candidate to run in that race? Well, hopefully they're starting to look now because, I mean, that just shows that 
she wasn't high profile and the way people knew her was through her money and through the family connection. It took her so long to just overcome that or even begin to and to establish herself out there as a candidate. I think people felt like Democrats who wanted to know her and wanted to like her, it took too long for them to get to know her. And so a lot of that's on her own campaign. So the lesson is don't do it like they just did. Could Mayor Lucas get into that race? He, he, he bowed out of this particular campaign. Is the, he in for 2024? I don't think he was ever in this campaign other than just the, the, the trial balloon men, uh, mentions. I doubt it. Uh, but uh, Mary's point uh, about the lack of a quality candidate is, is right on the button here. They had a former state senator that got shoved out of the race the day before the primary. They had a, a fairly attractive populist that ran a good primary cam uh, campaign. He got sho shoved off to the side, and Missouri Democrats were uh, delivered with Trudy Bush Valentine, who was not a good candidate. It seems like a very good person, but she wasn't a very good candidate. Now, if there, was, if there was a race we were told would definitely be too close to call, it was the contest between Sharice Davids and Amanda Adkins in the Kansas 3rd Congressional District. So how do we explain David's double-digit victory? In fact, she won by an even larger margin than her first matchup against Adkins two years ago. We didn't try to just blame everybody. We got to work. We got to work. And tonight, that work paid off. In a race that was unbelievably negative, I can say we have been intellectually honest. We have been loving. Regardless of what happens tonight, we have real problems in this country that remain unsolved. So what did Adkins do so terribly wrong? Or what did David's do that was so remarkably right? Well, Nick, I don't think it's either of those things. I think that Sharice uh, David's uh, Roe was a gift. Roe getting overturned was a gift, leading into value them both. I think that's how history is going to uh, tell this race. Uh, you know, I don't think Amanda Atkins did anything terribly wrong, but look at Johnson County. Uh, look at Sharice David's won Johnson County by seven points two years ago. And what was supposed to be a, a bad year for Democrats, because it always is for the party in power during a midterm, she won it by 16. That's, you can't even comprehend those kind of numbers. I mean, it just feels like it was uh, the tailwinds from the last few months around abortion. Now, you said on your radio program, if David's won by more than double digits, you would run around your radio station naked. Did you do that, or can we uh, get our cameras out this weekend to watch you? I did. It's on social media if you'd like to see it there, Nick. I know you're dying <laughs> for the video. Uh, I, I held up a Sharice David sign, and she even called into the show for the first time and was a good sport about it. So, well, Thank you, good. by the way, for wearing clothes on this program. Uh, only for yes. you. Yes. Only for you. <laughs> is, is that the end of the line, by the way, for Amanda Atkins? Uh, it, it might be. I want to uh, uh, add a, a different perspective on this. Uh, Atkins uh, referred to the negative campaign, and she got strapped with the Brownback uh, link, and it stuck. She got st uh, slapped with the abortion uh, link, and it stuck, although some of that was not exactly accurate all, all the way through. And uh, then... Johnson County is the big enchilada in any third district, new or old, and she and she won that very uh, very well. Plus, Sharice Davids has turned into a much better campaigner than she was her first uh, two uh, cycles. Much better ca campaigner, seemed more relaxed, a little bit better on me uh, on message, delivered it well. She's also really authentic, though. I mean, Sharice oh. Davids, when you meet her in person, she's one of those people that, when she listens to you. 
you feel like she is listening to you. Dave, Haley, can I ask you this question? Sure. Is, I should become now untouchable, a Teflon-coated no. candidate in Congress, very much like Emmanuel Cleaver right now. Well, not quite that far, Nick, but uh, when you survive two challenges, as Sharice Davids has, uh, you're more comfortable, not completely so, because it's still Kansas. The central question, and Pete talked about this, uh, is whether the changes in Johnson County, which are very real, yeah. uh, from Republican to Democrat, are permanent or even semi-permanent, or if they're very much transitional or transactional. Is this based on hatred for Trump, Donald Trump, and Trumpism? In which case, they might flip back to being Republicans at some point and vote for a, a, a credible Republican candidate in the 3rd District? Or is there a demographic generational shift in that county that would lead Democrats to have the upper hand in the 3rd for years to come? And I don't think the jury is in on that question yet. But boy, three elections in a row, Sharice uh, Davids beating Kevin Yoder, the incumbent, yeah. then beating two well uh, funded uh, challenges from Amanda Atkins. Uh, the, the, something is happening in that district that we need to keep our hey, eye hey, on. Real quickly, I would hold this might have been Sharice's toughest campaign, given the political environment that she was in, even taking on a 10-year congressman. Now, there were a lot of issues on the ballot this week, and I'm not just talking about whether to elect sheriffs in Kansas, it passed by the way, or whether to make the National Guard in Missouri its own department reporting directly to the governor. That passed too. I was thinking more about marijuana. 53% of Missouri voters saying yes to legalizing recreational pot. How does it feel to make history? Yeah! This is the most criminal, important criminal justice reform that has ever been passed by the voters of Missouri. Before you go crazy wild, according to the state, the very earliest you'll be able to legally buy marijuana products is February 6th of next year, so it's going to take a while, Mary. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there is a system to be set up that licenses, and that was part of the pushback against this, was that it would be unfair to people who were trying to come into the market. Um, so it's, you know, it, it needs to be set up and taxed. That, that's a huge portion of it. So there's just a lot of things that need to be put in place, and especially the espungement, what, um, what he was just talking about there, is you know how do you make that and fairly enforce that? Um, it's supposed to happen automatically for people to take that off of their record if they have a nonviolent offense. But I've seen that the Missouri Supreme Court says they want lawmakers to appropriate millions of dollars of money to help them actually do that expungement process. Is this going to be a big political battle now? The, the courts uh, and, and legislature, the legislature won't give them the money to do this, so this just plays out over several years? Well, the state auditor's fiscal note on the, this said that the money off the top goes to the Department of Health to administer the program, and then it goes in uh, to the uh, court system to uh, uh, pay for these expungements. And, uh, and they expect that largely to happen in, in the fir first year of the, this thing. And then the other thing is I do think that uh, legal, legalized marijuana will get in place in Missouri quicker than medical did because the infrastructure for medical is already there and, they, and they'll replicate that. This is just the latest, though, a sort of progressive kind of issue that's gone before voters that they've approved. We've had the uh, expansion of Medicaid. We've had the increase in the minimum wage. Is this going to jumpstart that behind-the-scenes focus now on having an abortion amendment on the ballot well, in no, Missouri? I, that may be a bridge too far, but you're right, Nick. Right to work, minimum wage, uh, gambling in Missouri, medicinal marijuana. I mean, all these progressive... Clean Missouri passed before it was repealed. I mean, all these progressive things pass, and then the Democrats fall apart and hold no statewide offices and have no prospects. 
And I'm not sure why that is. And I think Democrats bang their heads into the wall to try and understand that. Uh, but it is clear that progressive uh, efforts in Missouri almost certainly need to go the initiative and petition route rather than through the legislature where none of this is going to happen. Now, while the Missouri marijuana vote was reasonably close, that Missouri amendment requiring Kansas City spend more money on its police department was not. More than 63% of Missouri voters said yes to that. So what happens now? Does Kansas City try and find some loose change under the cushions to boost police cash? Or is this going to be the start of a lengthy legal battle that will play out for months, Pete? Well, Quentin Lucas says that uh, this thing is going to court, but the reality is, I mean, right now the city's spending about 24.6% on uh, on the police department, so we're talking less than half a percentage point when all is said and done. Uh, this is really something that, that was about maintaining the status quo so that they would say the department can plan for the money it's getting. And I think historically we're going to talk about the mistake, the political mistake, Quentin Lucas made in May of 2021, same-day ordinance, uh, to take the $42 million out of the police department and send it who knows where. Th this was politics. He says it's politics, but his opponents are right to point out it was politics on his end, too, and it backfired on him. Well, and, but it also, though, I mean, every, the city lost. The citizens lost because it became political. Dealing with the mental health issues and doing preventative policing, police are on board with that. Quentin Lucas was on board with that. The city council was on board with that. Anyone who can be threatened to vote over a crime issue ought to be informed of that. So I'm sure, I'm sure Mayor Lucas was not happy, of course, with that result. At least no. Kansas City, though, will get some money to play with. Voters approving two ballot questions to fix up Kansas City. That means $175 million in new cash for affordable housing and to fix up things like Bartle Hall and some of the city's fountains and swimming pools. More than 70% of voters saying yes to both questions. So Quinton Lucas happy with that, Oh, yeah, Dave? no question. They want to do these things, particularly the housing component of $50 million. That gets the city some breathing room with Casey Tenants and other groups. How that money gets spent is another question and will be an issue. And then the 125 for Bartle Hall and Parks and other uh, recreational activities is probably pretty popular too. So uh, both of those things are, you know, good for Quentin Lucas politically. How the money rolls out, who gets it first, where the projects go. That remains an open question, and that could come back to bite him as well. Now, Johnson County has a new top dog, should I say. Mike Kelly will now officially succeed Ed Eilert as Johnson County leader. 56% of Johnson County voters choosing Kelly over his rival Charlotte O'Hara. What's the biggest change you think we'll see in Johnson County now that Mike Kelly will be in charge? Yeah, I do think you're going to see, Nick, some increasing clashes between uh, Mike Kelly and the county commission and Sheriff Calvin Hayden. Uh, who has already butted heads, by the way, with Ed Eilert and others yeah, over yeah. finance and budget and what they pay officers. Mike Kelly, before the election, said Calvin Hayden should resign. Hayden, as you know, is pursuing these election fraud allegations in Johnson County. Uh, that's going to get uh, hotter before it gets cooler and may have some real impact on and, and Charlotte O'Hara still has her seat on the commission, Correct. so she will and be putting a lot a of pressure and she's a big on Cal him, too. Calvin. Frank White, by the way, earned four more years as head of Jackson County government this week. He defeated legislator Teresa Galvin with just over 55% of the vote. I can't think of any more rewarding thing to do than to be able to serve uh, the community and be in a position where you can really uh, influence uh, how things uh, uh, affect the community.
What's the lesson from this race? Name recognition matters, Pete? Yes, 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 yes. I mean, the, the guy hasn't done a good job. I mean, he hasn't. And uh, God bless the Kansas City Star editorial board. When they're endorsing Teresa Galvin, Frank White's got a problem, all right? She's got an R next to her name. And they, they, they were enthusiastic about her, as they should have been. It's a, it should be a nonpartisan race, by the way. It's a race about property taxes. It's a race about crime. He has not done a good job on that. There was no campaign to Clearly speak of. Though voters disagreed, well, right. uh, back, I, 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 I think he's right, right on this name ID, uh, especially in this race with this yes. individual who is a hometown hero um, and a Democrat in Democratic Jack Jackson County. Uh, Teresa Gallen ran a great race and really, really uh, put her heart in, into this. And a lot of people, a lot of smart people, uh, thought that this was the year that White gets uh, taken well, out. But, people, but okay. you know, it's Frank White. Yeah, but people also don't really look at Jackson County politics that closely. You know, they're more focused on the city. They're more focused on county Congress. as in Johnson County and on Congress. And I do think sometimes Jackson County kind of just meanders along. Yeah, uh, until, until the property taxes yeah. blow. Exactly. Oh, uncorrectable on this, but I think Teresa Galvin actually won in J Jackson County outside of Kansas City. She had more votes than Frank White, but Frank White ran up, you know, three to one margins in Kansas City proper. Part of that is name ID. Part of it is Freedom Inc., which remains an important political club in the inner city, and uh, they work really hard on Frank White's behalf, got a lot of votes out. Uh, our friend Eric Wesson can talk a little bit yeah. about that, and I, I think that made the difference in this race. And he is out there in the community. I mean, people might not realize that, but it's it, at the type of events that don't get a lot of media coverage necessarily, he's present. And so people see him, and they attach his role there, which is a little further distancing from the Royals. Now, a quick fire round of questions. Fill in the blank. The biggest winner of election 2022 in Metro KC was blank, Pete. Um, Sharice Davids, I mean, 16 points. We talked about it in Johnson County. Uh, I mean, that is, wow, unbelievable. Mary. I would say Sharice as well. Sharice. Uh, make it four. Sharice Davids winning by that margin. In my mind, actually, one of the biggest winners on election night was Mark Alford. Just a year ago, remember, he was reading a teleprompter on the anchor desk at Fox 4. Now he's our area's newest congressman. And I'm just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the confidence that the people of Missouri have put in me to be their strong voice. And I'm going to do just that. From journalist to Congress in one year flat, any lessons for us here on that? If you read the Kansas City Star, you might have seen the story this week. Dave Helling retiring from the Kansas City Star after 17 years at the paper, 45 years in journalism. Dave, are you prepared to announce your candidacy on this no, program? No. This half hour, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I, if uh, uh, elected, I will not serve. If chosen, <laughs> I will not run. No, I, I am stepping away from covering this community uh, at, at a ripe old age of 67, and it feels good, but, but, what a year next year is going to be. You've got downtown baseball. You've got uh, mayors. Yeah. Ho hopefully yeah. hopefully yeah. we can still rely upon yeah, yeah, yeah. you on this program we'll to see. come and provide we'll your... Oh. But, but can I just say quickly, yes. I got so many nice uh, uh, emails from people and readers and folks who have watched this show, Nick, for many, many years. I've done it for more than 30 years. And uh, I just want to say thanks for all of that. It was really flattering and unexpected. You know, you don't really have a sense of how you're out in the community. So it's great. So not knowing how long we're going to get you, you're going to start the next question for me, which is who or what was the biggest loser on Election Day, Dave? Well, I'd say the Democratic Party in Missouri. I just don't see a path for them for years and years to come. The Democrats in Kansas 
were in a similar place a couple of years ago, and they've been able to sort of scrape together some some effective campaigns, but gosh, you just don't see where it's going to come from in Missouri. Pete. I would agree with Dave, but I, I think that we thought the Missouri Democratic Party was going to be a loser. Uh, the Kansas Republican Party, to me, is the loser here. The pile thing was a mess. They couldn't get that figured out. Some believe it dates back to the legislative session last year when they were doing redistricting. Um, Amanda's loss was beyond what anybody thought was going to be the case. Bad night for the Kansas GOP and bad week for them. Mary. You know, I'd go more specific to Chris Mann, um, who ran against Kobach. He doesn't want to concede the race, even though there's no way he's going to win now. And it was like his chance to leap into state politics and, you know, to lose to Chris Kobach, who had such a lengthy history of kind of negatives against him. I don't know where you go after that. Michael. I would agree with uh, Kansas GOP and uh, with this uh, caveat on it, I was for Missouri Democrats, it was actually a pretty good night. They, I, I think in 2020, they abs absolutely reached the basement. They picked up seats um, and, uh, you know, they got clobbered in the, in the Senate race, but they, they picked up seats uh, uh, across the state, won an important state Senate Just race. Quickly, they did lose the state auditor's uh, chair, which is now going to a Republican, and, ha and they, Democrats have no statewide office. Yeah. So Missouri House Democrats certainly... Uh, had a best election night in years. They'll now have their largest caucus in Jefferson City in more than a decade. That's one of the interesting tidbits. A pretty good night for Democrats in Johnson County. They pick up House seats. And I see conservatives actually making gains on the Kansas State Board of Education, too. But what, for you, was the most overlooked local race trend or story from election 2022, Pete? Uh, Mike Thompson, not the former weatherman, oh. but a different Mike Thompson in Wyandotte County, Republican who flipped a uh, Democrat seat, been Democrat for 50 years in Wyandotte County. He flipped that, and that is um, one of the untold positive stories for the Kansas GOP. Mary. I would say the poll workers. Was it smooth sailing or a hot mess on election day when it came to polling? Did it, did it all work out by and large pretty well? Well, it seems like it did. I mean, there haven't been any, you know, you're going to hear some screamers saying, oh, so, you know, fake election and there's fraud and whatever. But there's no evidence of that. But I was surprised to see across the metro uh, turnout was lower in this midterm than it was in 2018. What was your most overlooked story? The judges' retention over in Kansas, all of them were, uh, were retained. Yeah. It was kind of a blah campa campaign. Dave. Missouri will not have a constitutional conventions, uh, convention, <laughs> and it'll be 20 years before they get asked again. Nick, if I'm still around in 20 years, I'll come on the show and talk about the Missouri Constitution. You will be on here, and we will look forward to having you. Thank you, Dave, for your contributions over so many years here. And on that, we will say our election week has been reviewed, courtesy of Mary Sanchez from our Kansas City PBS Digital Newsroom, Flatland, and Dave Helling from your Kansas City Star, 6 to 10, weekdays on KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Mundo, and Channel 9's Michael Mahoney. And I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm and carry on.